Welcome, welcome everybody to a very special episode of the Severe MMA Podcast. So myself and Graham are going to pop in here and do our normal uh, Sunday podcast, but we know um, big fights this weekend. We thought we would uh, leave the normal podcast in the normal way we do it um, until next week, until the normal fights come back, but we will drop an interim podcast during the week to preview what's coming up next week. But for today... Uh, what we're going to have for you is the state of the UFC address. You might uh, have heard me mention it last week. Um, we were going to put it out on Patreon, but we decided to do, because it was such a long range, like almost an hour and a half of a podcast, uh, we said we put it out here free for everyone, and it's it's a real breakdown of every UFC division from the women's 115-pound division right up to the men's heavyweight division. And I'm going to be joined by Spencer Kite, uh, a veteran MMA journalist, worked for UFC.com, and has a real knowledge of... Some of the fighters that everyone might not know, you know, interviews the people on the undercard who come up to become champions in a couple of years, and I, it was a really, really fun chat, and I, I, when I was doing the podcast, I, I realised it, and uh, Graham went to listen to it afterwards, and he said straight away, I put this up so everyone can listen to it, so that's exactly what we are doing, and as always, we would give thanks to uh, our sponsors, Manscaped, before we get into the podcast, so listen up, fellas, because today we have a new Manscaped product alert, Manscaped just released the Weed Whacker Nose uh, ear and hair trimmer um, take a look in the mirror and I guarantee you'll see hair sticking out of those nose holes it's time to keep your ear and nose hair looking as nice and as clean as your shaven pubes Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million mil worldwide join the movement for all your below the waist grooming needs and I know myself and Graham we were, we're getting a bit old now and uh, Graham was looking for his especially when Manscaped's in <laughs> these autos he's a little bit older than me so it's actually my it was my birthday the other day so uh, i'm shoving on as well and uh, i'm gonna need the, the old hair uh hair nose hair and the ear trimmer as well so manscaped forever changing the grooming game uh, which we badly need uh with their weed, weed whacker the nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin safe te- technology which helps reduce nicks snags and tugs uh, in those delicate holes the manscaped uh, premium weed whacker uses a 9000 rpm motor uh powered 360 degree rotary dual blade system its intelligently contoured design enhances the trimming experience and it's a waterproof to make it easier uh, for everything operation and cleaning uh, the only nose hair trimmer on the market with a powerful and rechargeable lithium ion battery that lasts for 90 minutes of use I, I got my one i think before christmas and i don't think i've charged it yet so the, the battery is really really good on that uh, have you ever pulled your nose hair out with your fingers that might hurt worse than nicking your balls it really does manscaped is making whacking your weeds a time to look forward to to deliver maximum confidence while providing hygiene yes you will be able to get a replaceable blade every three months to keep your weed, weed whacking time clean and enjoyable look for that 79 of partners pulled admitted that long nose hair is a major turnoff it's time to upgrade your manscaped routine with the weed whacker get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code severe mma at manscaped.com thank you to manscaped for keeping our pubes trimmed and our hairs in our holes looking nice so that's 20 percent off and free shipping with code severe may at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off with free shipping at manscaped.com use the code severe may what are you waiting for go whack your weeds and now let me throw you over to the podcast with myself and spencer enjoy <laughs> Welcome to the Severe MMA Podcast Premium. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. It's easy to pretend 
Hello there, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Severe MMA Podcast. And today is another rendition of the State of the UFC Address. And joining me today is a special guest for the first time ever, uh, Spencer Kite, joins me, veteran MMA journalist, to talk about all things uh, MMA and the UFC. Spencer, how are you today? I'm wonderful. Thanks for having me. The eight-year anniversary of my wife and, and my family taking a trip and, and making our First appearance in Dublin, so it feels right. Oh, really? Did you go anywhere else in Ireland or just Dublin? Um, so we went to Dublin, then we went down to... Oh, I'm going to get it wrong. Oh, this is going to kill me. No, we went down and we stayed in Kilkenny, I believe, and mm-hmm. and did kind of the Ring of Kerry. We went up to the north for a little bit for Beautiful. for a night to do some some touring around and see Giants Causeway and and things like that, and a little bit of the Bushmills factory for, for a sip, but then spent... Spent a week down in sort of the southwest and and traveled around and and it was lovely and I can't wait to get back. That's beautiful. You went to the proper parts of the country, so I'm from the I'm from the <laughs> southwest myself. So that's the yes. that's the best part. Get out of yes. Dublin. That's the best thing. To do. Uh, <laughs> it's funny you've been in Northern Ireland as many times as me, so because I've only been there once <laughs> ever. Like it's mad to think about it. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's always like uh, Ireland is a lovely country, and you know, with the the coronavirus and things being locked down now as well, I've seen maybe not more of it, but kind of appreciated it a little bit more. You know, kind of just driving around and things. It's a, it's, it is a beautiful country, and uh, I'm glad that you got to come over and experience it. And I'm sure you had a few pints of Guinness on the way as well. Did you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, several indeed. We we did we did the storehouse, and we were late mm-hmm. because there's this this fighter from from the area that. Tends to be a little late to never, things. Never heard of him. <laughs> I, I happened to to pitch a story shortly after this man's debut of Hey, why don't why don't I come and talk to this guy? And going to be over there, and we'll we'll put it in the magazine back when when UFC magazine was still a thing. And he was running late, and then we had to go with him to to Louis Copeland's and mm. tour around and driving in a car with Conor McGregor in the busy streets of Dublin when you've never been a in the busy streets of Dublin very much. And then having a madman behind the wheel is is quite the experience. And I feel and like so when I, we could do a podcast on that alone. <laughs> we we surely could. And so I I remind my sister in law who was very very mad at us for being late to that that tour of the storehouse every year that it kind of worked out okay because the guy that I stopped to see happens to be one of the biggest sports stars in the world now. So yeah, it worked out well in the end. In the end. <laughs> it, it did okay. <laughs> I like it. Um, right, so let's get into uh, the divisions all together and we, we'll go through them one by one. And today we're going to start at the lightest and go up to the heaviest. I usually go in and out of it, but we'll, we're going to do it that way today. So I'll somewhat try to keep uh, to uh, <laughs> to a rota here, which I'm never really good at. But uh, women, the women's strawweight division um at the moment i suppose you know we talk about a lot about the, um, we'll go to the women's divisions first and then we'll, we'll do the men's divisions because i think i feel like this weekend especially and i'm not sure when this podcast is coming out but it's around the time when you know there's a big fight obviously with chris cyborg in uh this weekend uh, kayla harrison only fought last weekend or a couple of weeks ago as well and our own liam mccourt is fighting this weekend as well invicta are coming back as well i think it's a big time for for women's mma and the sport as well and i think the women's strawweight division kind of shows what the divisions can be, you know, with years of preparation, with years of fights, with years of top level fights, which, uh, you know, have made this division really strong. Obviously, Rose Lamy Yunus is a champion at the moment. Um, but what what do you think of the state of this division? Do you agree with me and uh, when I when I say it's, it's the strongest women's division at the moment in the UFC? Yeah, I do. Absolutely. I mean, it, it's crazy to think of, of how long now it, it's been around and that depending on how this weekend goes or or 
the previous week it goes, depending on when this drops. Um, we could end up with a rematch of the inaugural title fight with Carlos Barza and Rose Namajunas. Um, and there's so much talent that we've seen over the last, particularly the last kind of two or three years, really rising to that level of, of kind of being above that benchmark of, of I use the, the Michelle Watterson benchmark. We know how good Michelle Watterson is, but but she has that certain level. There seem to be more and more women getting the opportunity and, and rising above that level. We saw it obviously a few weeks ago with Marina Rodriguez. Um, and so to me, yeah, this is this is absolutely the deepest, most competitive division and and one where there are still fighters down the line that you're excited to see what more they can do. And, and that to me is always the the most important thing about a division. Yeah, and that's kind of what this, I suppose this shows kind of a little bit as well, looking at the, the top, but kind of looking at the, what's on the, the rise as well and seeing the strength of the, those divisions. Well. I want to get a couple of those people who you think might be from you, but I think you hit one very interesting point there. And we mentioned on one of the podcasts recently, but only kind of fleetingly, about people like Michelle Watterson who are kind of, and it's like it's it's easy for us to say, I suppose, but it's maybe a sad or unfortunate for the fighters themselves, but being kind of the yardstick of a top fighter, like you could you could see, like say you could say like a Donald Cerrone was one of them for years or even someone like a Joe Lozon great fighters in their own right but you know if you can't beat them you're not going to be the top five or fighting for a title but if you can beat them you know you're on the way to it or even a half a less and so who I have great respect for who's a very good fighter right. but he was always that sort of fighter as well and I think Michelle Watterson is the perfect example which you use there but that's the thing in, in the women's divisions which even if you look at the Bellator at the moment they don't really have that because that division ha- the, the 145 pound division hasn't really been fleshed out enough and Liam McCourt is fighting Janae Harding and you don't really know where they stand in the division because you don't have that where if you beat a Michelle Watterson you know you you move on and you move forward in that division so I think that's a really interesting point and a really good sign of how strong that division actually is um, and you know I think it's it's a very well made point so who are some, some of the people obviously you know you said we could have a rematch of uh, if Carly Esparza <laughs> she's fighting Yan Jonan at uh, if I pronounce that name correctly and I hope I did at UFC Vegas 27 coming up here in a couple of weeks Angela Hill also fighting uh, Amanda Hibas um, and those there, there aren't many matches actually made at the moment uh, 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 Verna Jandaroba is fighting Kanuka Murata but they're kind of further down that division at the moment not much else beyond that who are some of the people you think uh, obviously we know the people coming out of those fights will be there or thereabouts who are some of the other people you think in that division might be on the way up I sort of do a lot of a lot of long range thinking I'm I'm very like two three four years down the road with with some of this stuff and so I look at somebody Obviously, Corey McKenna looked good on the Contender Series. She looked good in her win over Kay Hansen. I think Kay Hansen still has a lot of upside. Um, you mentioned Kaneko Murata. I, I think you can't overlook her. The fight with Verna Jandihoba is going to be a really good kind of measuring stick. We know kind of the level to expect from the former Invicta champ, so that's an interesting test to me. Um, Amanda Lemos has looked really good in her last couple fights. Um, and so there's, there's fighters like that. And then closer to the top, I mean, I'm forever going to be watching this Mackenzie Dern evolution growth, whatever you want to call it, because we all knew the level to expect in terms of the grappling, but we've seen for years that if you can't transition into that grappling and get to that grappling, that it can be hard. And so we saw in the last fight, she did a really good job of, of she's developing her hands with Jason Perillo got inside, got it to the ground, and then 
did what Mackenzie Dern does when she gets a fight to the ground. So she's also someone that I'm just going to continue to to be fascinated by until we get a real read of of where that ceiling rests. It's an interesting one as well, like with Mackenzie Dern. She's now ranked number five in that division. And, you know, is that a little bit early to be ranked number five? You know, he's not too, too far away from a title shot. And that's, uh, that's an interesting thing as well, because, you know, you say you look forward a lot. I don't really do that in the UFC that much, because I kind of have the Irish fighters to look forward to and that, and I'm very much concentrating in the top 10, top 15 uh, at the moment. And I suppose, you know, it's, it's interesting, because it's different ways of doing it, I suppose. But it, it's it, to me, it looks like, and I'd be interested to get your thoughts, for me, like people going from cage warriors and my side of the world into the UFC at the moment, and even people like say like a Tony Ferguson now or a Dan Cerrone, I feel like the UFC matchmaking has never been as I don't know as bad the word, but like it's it's not as it's not as sensible I think as it once was. What are your thoughts on the the whole matchmaking? I know I, I it's just, rugged right yeah, now. It is, is what tough. it is. There, there's no. <laughs> I saw somebody over the weekend saying like it, it used to be you build somebody up and you give some you give them a couple opportunities and you kind of get a sense and now it's just right into the thick of it. Mm-hmm. And I agree and I I think there are some positives to that because you don't want to necessarily see not to use too many pro wrestling terms on on your podcast but a squash match over and over where it's just handing a guy an opportunity, a man or a woman, an opportunity to get a win. But you also don't, I don't want to see these promising talents get beaten too, too many times and get beaten down and have that will broken in them. Because we've seen that with athletes. We've seen people come in and they're on a good roll. They get a couple wins going and then it's two or three really rugged fights in a row and they come out on the wrong side of it and, maybe one is is a real hellacious beating and it's hard to come back from. And so, I mean, you mentioned Cage Warriors people coming over. I mean, I think the world of Mason Jones and think he's a really great prospect, but yeah. I'm really interested to see what happens in this next fight because that first fight was a tough, tough fight against a guy that's nowhere near the rankings, mm-hmm. but it's a fight that can change you a little bit when you're, when you're a kid that's coming in unbeaten and then you finally taste that. I think he will do just fine. Mm-hmm. I think he is tough enough to get through that and, and bounce back and still have a wonderful career, but it's, it really isn't the same as, as it used to be where you saw this is clearly the athlete the UFC is trying to build. Mm-hmm. And this is the opportunity where you, you tune in to see them look really great. Those days are gone. Now it's just feast or famine, sink or swim, whichever, whichever two piece you want to use. And it's, I think it's both good and bad. I think there's, there's pros and cons to it. I want to see the best fight the best as frequently as we can, but I also want to see athletes given the opportunity to grow and develop the way they should. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. hundred percent. Like I, 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 I came up with this phrase, and it's my one moment of genius here, probably in the last 10 years. I want the best to fight the best when they are the best, you know? Yes. I think that's the way that the UFC should do Like, And I think there's no greater example than Ireland's own Reese McKee. He came into the UFC. Yes. He, he lost to Hamza Shemayev, and then um, Moreno, who, who went on to obviously knock right. out Don Cerrone. But, and like, oh yeah, he's gone, he lost to Like, the same could happen with Mason Jones, and that's, that's to me, is an absolute waste. But however, you spoke about squash matches there, and I think that's obviously an interesting way to move on to the women's uh, flyweight division with Valentine. 
Valentina Shashinko. But I, I want to get you your thoughts on that. Was, that was a, another moment of genius starts. My second Wonderful. one. Wonderful. Tatiana Suarez, I think that she did an interview with Ariel last night and she said she wants to go to Flyweight, which for me is manna from heaven for that division and is going to be great. Hopefully they don't put her right in there, but I would like to see her get a good fight. Hopefully she's clear of injuries now and can come back. But for that division, someone like a Tatiana Suarez is exactly what it needs, isn't it? Oh, a hundred percent. And I mean, she's somebody same as me. I heard that news. I listened to Sean and Chuck on the man in the myth talking about it today. And, and they laid it out to me perfectly kind of go the Jessica Andrade route, get her in there with one kind of established name, somebody in that, you know, three through seven, eight range. And if she rolls, get her in there with Valentina, maybe two fights, but, but make sure she's healthy. Give her the opportunity She's someone that I thought, and I think you probably did as well for the longest time, she's destined to at least compete for the title 100%. at 115. And then the injury comes up and it's it's a, it's a neck injury, which is one of those really scary ones where you wonder if they're ever going to be okay. And I feel like there was probably a good 12-month stretch where every time Tatiana Suarez would, would tweet during an event, I would get that little pang of, of sorrow and missing her because I want to see her compete Mm -hmm. and you would look for interviews and you would hope to, you know, see her say, Oh, I'm coming back and you check her IG every once in a while. And, and there's no announcements and, and it's delayed. So to hear that she is coming back and then to hear that she's going up to a division that, you know, nothing against the women that are in the top 10 right now, Mm -hmm. it's just, you're going up against the juggernaut. And so to have her go up and, and be a really interesting potential stylistic clash for Valentina Shevchenko is, as you said, mana from heaven. Yeah, it's, it's great. And I suppose like looking at the, the matchups, there's a lot of matchups uh, at the moment. Even like uh, last weekend, we saw um, Caitlin Chukagan fighting uh, Viviana Arujo. And we have uh, Joanne Collarwood fighting Lauren Murphy coming up at the next pay-per-view. And there's a few, uh, you know, Antonina Shevchenko just fought Andre Lee. And Andre Lee got a great win uh, in that. So this division is moving along. I think it was... For a good while, and especially with Valentina at the top, it's like, it's it's a little stagnant is not the word, but you know what I mean? It's it's just a division that can't get moving. And I think a big issue as well, because Andrade was kind of the one, I think we all thought was going to give Valentina the toughest right. matchup. And I thought, it was, I thought it was rushed a little bit as well. And that was another kind of destruction. It was just, it's great to see Valentina do that, but it's also like, mm, how long, you know, she's going to be fighting someone who's probably not as good as Andrade in the next fight, and that's an issue. Who Are there any people you can see coming up who maybe not beat Valentina, and I know it's a tough call for anyone to beat Valentina at the moment, but potentially could give Valentina a matchup in the next couple of years? So it's a ways off, and, and she fits the kind of feeling, that the sentiment that you shared about Mackenzie Dern, because I feel the same way with Mackenzie Dern as I do with Miranda Maverick, is you're already ranked, but can, can we please go as slow as humanly possible here and not turn this into way too soon, way too early? I get a lot of Kyoji Horiguchi flashbacks when I see some of these matchups and some of these young athletes getting hustled up the up the ladder and making these great strides where it's that's not the fight we need. As you said, I want to see the best fight, the best when they are the best. And Miranda Maverick isn't at her best yet. She's not yet ready in my opinion to face even someone in the top 10 right now. And so I I don't necessarily know that I love the matchup with Macy Barber because that just feels weird after all the, all the energy that was 
put into Mace, making Macy Barber a thing. And now we're maybe going to hand her a third straight loss. But but she's somebody to me that in a couple years time with some more experience, with some more development, with some more coaching, I like the skill set that she presents. I like the athleticism and the physicality that she has, which are kind of two of those things that you can't teach and no one else really in the in the upper tier that is currently challenging Valentina Shevchenko can match her on. So a few years down the road, I think Miranda Maverick can be somebody that that has that kind of impact in the division. But I mean, right now, this is this is Valentina Shevchenko's world, and she's so far ahead of everybody else that it it sort of unfortunately makes those contenders and and everybody in the top 10 seem not as good as they are. It's not that they're not great athletes and and tremendous competitors. It's a Valentina Shevchenko is a is a generational talent. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's, it's lucky we have kind of two of them as we move on to the next division with a man who is. But I want, I want to mention Casey O'Neill as well. I think she's a, a good prospect mm-hmm. in that division. I think she's someone who people definitely need to keep an eye on uh, going forward as well. But I, sw- I suppose like the uh, the women's 135 and 145 pound division, if it even exists, and I suppose we can speak about that as well anymore, <laughs> is is one that Amanda Nunes is kind of running. And I see here she's fighting Juliana Pena at UFC 265. And I must give a shout out to Zen Simon as well over in Bloody Elba for uh, his uh, updated roster list, which we use every time in this podcast. Thank you, Zen, very much for that. Um, but that's that to me is a fight that we've kind of, you know, if, if we had done this podcast two or three years ago or whatever, we would have probably said, look, give Juliana Pena two or three years and then maybe she might be ready. And now here we are later and I'm like, mm, is she? I'm not sure. But it's, it's still a fight. I think she kind of, she talked her way into a little bit. But I, I, and I kind of want to see it because she talked her way into it, to be honest. And I kind of enjoyed that. But uh, look, Juliana Pena is a good fighter and she can, she has certain ways, I suppose, that she can, hurt Amanda Nunes and hurt in the sense of like hurt her tactically I suppose more than physically but you know it's it's another one of those of those divisions where there are some very good <coughs> fighters in it but Amanda Nunes is just head and shoulders above everyone really isn't she yeah I mean I I wrote when Juliana Pena went on sort of her mission of I'm the best grappler in the division and I'm this and I'm that and and said she's going she's making the wrong points but her overall message is right like I felt that sure give her the fight if she and I mean look if if you're going to go out and you're going to sit down with Ariel and say give me the smoke she's ducking me mm-hmm. then give her the fight yeah. because I mean look if if you're willing to call out Amanda Nunes and say you're her worst nightmare and and you're the one that's going to beat her and you're all these things let's see it I'm in I'm 100% in I disagree with the whole I'm the I'm the best grappler in the division mm-hmm. because your two losses are two people who are not the best grappler in the division who happens to be the champion mm-hmm. who beat both of those women and so whatever but but you're most deserving cuz you're kind of the next one up. And so like you she talked her way into it and talked me into being interested in seeing it. But yeah, this I mean same as as you said. This is very much Amanda Nunez's world. We're just here tagging along. I'm a hundred percent in for watching greatness. Um, I love the motivation and, and the kind of approach that Amanda has taken of, I just want to keep fighting. I want to chase those records. I want to do the things that they always said only the men can do. Yeah. That's really interesting to me. And that's, that's really compelling to me. And then as far as kind of what else, who else may come up, I mean, 
I don't really have any interest in seeing another Jermaine Durandamy fight, another Holly Holm fight. Aspen Ladd is, is the one person to me who's been out there for a couple of years that you think she could be the person. Mm-hmm. Obviously, she had the loss to Jermaine and then had the ACL injury, so we need to see her come back and get a couple of wins. But again, it, it feels very much like women's flyweight where there is a champion, there's a great big chasm, and then there are all of these contenders who are all, and even in the contenders, I mean, Holly Holm and Jermaine Durandamy have proven that they're a cut above them. And so the tiers are so spread out right now in that division that it's at times difficult to get people interested and, and it doesn't necessarily look like that's going to change anytime soon. Yeah. The one person I would kind of pick out in that is Irina Aldana. I like Aldana and I feel like the, the, the fight that I was kind of, when I think of Aldana, right. Imagine if Aldana improves and Nunes is maybe, you know, mm-hmm. cut out a little bit. A, a little bit like a, a John Jones versus either Santos or Reyes over the last while, where it's right. kind of, if she can just kind of drag her into a close fight and make it, like Aldana's big and tall and she's a good, you know, good technical boxing. Okay, if it goes to the ground, you'd probably favor uh, Nunes there, but if she could draw her into a four or five round fight, I think that could be like one of those fights that where it happens, we're not expecting much, and it turns out to be better than it actually is. But it could also turn into like a, a forty-five second rear naked choke. <laughs> but we never know what I'm ending with. Right? Yeah. She and and I mean that was the the kind of setup to the Holly home fight. Right? Was yeah. let's see if she's ready for this. Let's see if she can get there. It got worse. I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I also think that we kind of get a little quick in terms of oh well, she can't get there. She still could get there. She's mm-hmm. 31 years old. She's she still has time to improve. We it feels like we often expect these athletes to be their best at kind of their mid 20s, late 20s. And then if you look at the actual list of champions, there's only one of them that's under 30 years old, um, and that's Rose Namajunas, and she's 28, and she's been fighting for a much longer time than a lot of people kind of remember. Um, the only other interesting name in the division is an older one but still an intriguing one. And that's Misha Tate to me. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you about that. What, what's your thought to Misha? Like, can she come back and be at her best? I mean, it's a cop out answer probably for a podcast. It mm-hmm. doesn't make for great discussion, but I don't know. No one knows. It's but, been yeah. so long. Like it's, it's been so long since we've seen her fight that I, I really like the matchup with Marion Renault because I think as we've talked about throughout already, that's the litmus test, mm-hmm. right? You got to be, if you can't beat Marion Renault, then we're not talking about you as a top 10 fighter or as a top ten, top five fighter. And so I appreciate that she has been extremely candid with talking about the things that she needed to deal with mm-hmm. and why she took her break and that she wasn't as focused as she needed to be going into those last two fights. I'm glad she seems to have a lot more balance in her life between work and, and life and everything else. And I think she can be an interesting kind of new old addition to this division because she's only 34, which, you know, is it, we, we see it in lots of divisions, 34 year olds can still compete. She'd be 35 in the summer. So she can still compete, but we need to see it. And so you give me one good win, then you give me a top five opponent or a top 10 opponent and, 
and I could be interested in Misha Tate again relatively easily and relatively quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. It's, it's a very interesting. I think, like with all the women's divisions, even we, we kind of went through it a little bit quickly, but like to Yuani and Jacek and, and uh, Zhang uh, right. Weili are still around there as well. And, you know, even the likes of Holly Holm is still around and other people as well. And, you know, you wouldn't rule out even uh, even Jessica Andrade making another run. I think there's a lot of good people around uh, in, in a lot of those divisions. And uh, I think there are... Like they're all uh, relatively healthy, some healthier than others, but it's good to see uh, women's MMA, especially kind of uh, moving forward and, and getting better all the time. And it's uh, it's, it's great to see, it. especially like in the world. I've talked about a lot recently on the podcast. Uh, I'm not sure in, in, in the States, but over here and especially in, in the UK, women's sports is just going kind of through the roof, especially with soccer and, you know, the Chelsea team in the Champions League final and everything. It's, it's becoming really, really big. So I think MMA, funnily enough, is at the forefront of, of that. And it's it's not been at the forefront of many things throughout the years, but uh, in that it seems to be. So it's uh, it's great and it's, uh, it's, it's a good thing to see. And I think, like, I think as well, we... So in some sports they don't treat women's sports as equally. Whereas we do, you know, if a, a fight's in the middle of the card, it's it's seen as the same as a men's fight, and I think that's that's absolutely fantastic, and it's uh, it's great to see uh, going forward as well. Um, so let's let's move on to to the men's divisions, and we'll start at the bottom with flyweight Davidson Figueiredo uh, is fighting Brandon Moreno, and obviously the the rematch of their uh, their draw, if I'm not mistaken, from from last year. Um, and so we, that, I suppose that story kind of writes itself. This division, though, you know, I think it kind of was broken down and built back up a little bit over the last couple of years. And th- I think there are little bits of signs that it's looking a bit strong. You know, we had the, the fight at the weekend with Pantherin and Schnell. I know it was up a weight, but a very good fight, a high-quality fight. I love Ask- Askarov is a very good fighter, and he's going to be probably the next in line as well. And the likes of Pantoja and, you know, Joseph Benavides still there or thereabouts, but even Sumu coming up now being being ranked as well. I like this division. I've always liked. I've always been a hashtag fly never die, you know, the advocate. <laughs> but uh, the division is to me is is getting a little bit of life back. Uh, would you agree with that? Oh, a hundred percent. And I've I've been part of that team as well of of loving this division from its inception. Mm-hmm. Um, I I always loved the Demetrius Johnson run of dominance. Like I know there were a lot of people that that weren't particularly interested in title fights against Chris Carriasso and and John Moraga, but like. Listen, you want to you want to let me see a great athlete compete and and do their thing. I'm in, and now we are, as you said, back to a point where this division feels really competitive, really interesting to me. We've got a great fight this weekend, David Devarek against uh, Holly and Paiva. I think that's an interesting fight. You mentioned the fight last weekend. Brandon Royville's still in there. Kai Kara France had the walk off. Uh, Hongi knockout of of Rogerio Bontarine earlier this year. And so it's getting better. And, you know, you have to give credit to Henry Cejudo for for bringing some attention in a way that Demetrius Johnson never wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Um, Henry Cejudo can be a lot. He can be too much at times, but he did certainly bring some attention back. And I think the UFC deserves a little bit of, of credit. Everybody wants to say, how could they let this division go and remember that they were ready to, to kill off this division. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then they pivoted pretty quickly and built it back to where it is now, just a couple of years later. And I know that some people got away and I know that they've released some athletes that, that probably should still be in the UFC and, and in this division, but they've brought a bunch of them back and, and they're back to being competitors and contenders. One of them's fighting for the title for a second time here in a couple of months. And so, 
I'm excited for, for where this division is at because it has those elements that we're talking about of the benchmark fighter that you have to beat to be a contender. And then the guy that you have to beat to, to really establish yourself as a top 10 fighter. And then a bunch of prospects coming up that are intriguing that we want to know more about. And so for me, that's what I look for, for a healthy division. And, and this is one of the, the better examples to me. Mm-hmm. 100%. Very, very well said. You, you mentioned Henry Cejudo, and I suppose we move up to the next two divisions. Do you get a sense of where he might come back? Because he has this, you know, this C4 thing now, which is actually, I think, pretty good, <laughs> to be honest. Um, I, I Like, the, the story right now for Henry Cejudo, I feel like he should come back at featherweight, but maybe, you know, he's he's not the biggest guy in the world. You know, he is a 125er when all is said and done, more than likely, but... I feel like the story, the, the biggest money fight probably is him versus Volkanovski. And with the fact as well, okay, Volkanovski is fighting uh, Ortega coming up here pretty shortly. And that's no by no means an easy fight. But let's say Ortega or uh, Volkanovski gets through that. Volkanovski's not the biggest guy yeah, in the world. at least Volkanovski's 5'6". Yeah. I, th- I think yeah. that'd be interesting to me. What's your take on Tsuhudo? Where, where do you think he should come back? I mean, if he if he does, I agree with you. I think it's, I think it's featherweight. I think you come to try to do the thing that absolutely nobody has done. And if he did it, it would make him, you know, you have to give him his respect. You have to give him his props. It would then make him even more insufferable than he is at times. Now I joke all the time and full credit to Henry Cejudo Mm -hmm. who steers into it and clicks that like button. Every time I do it, I make the joke as frequently as I can that Henry Cejudo told Joel Rogan, you'll never hear from me again. And we haven't stopped hearing from him since. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and he and to his credit, I tag him because I know somebody's going to snitch tag me if I mm-hmm. don't. I've had a good relationship with Henry throughout his career, so shout out to to Triple C. He clicks the like. He's he's steered into it, and so I give him full marks for it. But if he does come back, yeah, he he wants Alexander Volkanovsky to have this title because I don't think the possibility or the the prospects of fighting a Brian Ortega or a Max Holloway are all that appealing. Not that fighting Alexander Volkanovsky necessarily is either. I think he is the most unheralded, unappreciated champion we have at the moment, regardless of how you feel about the Max Holloway fights and their outcome. But if, if triple C comes back to go and and try to be C4, which I mean, promotionally just writes itself. It's, (laughs) It's so easy, right? These are the layups that you have to take. And so if Volkanovski gets through Ortega and has the belt, I'm sure we will see and hear from Henry Cejudo about that fight very quickly. Yeah, it'll be very interesting. (laughs) I kind of hope it happens. You know, I I went through a phase of like not liking the Henry Cejudo shtick for a while, but then I kind of, it's it's just stupid funny, which you have to appreciate sometimes, you know, but the uh, commitment to it is what is what has won me over, right? Like when it, the first little while it felt like, okay, this is too much. I was in uh, Vegas when he fought Demetrius Johnson the first time. And I remember uh, Coach Eric Albertine trying to get these like chants going at the workouts about you know different elements of Henry Cejudo, mm-hmm. and it just felt like no one chant. You know when you try to get everybody riled up and no one joins in, yeah, and it just felt so awkward. And you were like, "Oh, this poor dude." Mm-hmm. And then you think, "Well, not really this poor dude. He's he's bringing it on himself. He was such a tryhard. Mm-hmm. He's still a tryhard, but the fact that he's been trying hard for this long." 
I'm in. Yeah. I got to admit it. I'm in. Yeah. I, I like Henry Cejudo now. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I suppose 135 on division in which Henry left has been, it's look to me, it's like one of the best divisions in the UFC. Yes. If you want to make an argument, it's the best. I wouldn't disagree with you, to be honest. The, the title fight, the last time, obviously, Perian was looking like he was going to be maybe a dominant champion for a while. But I think a lot of people, I think <laughs> including myself, maybe even picked Aljamain coming into that fight. Obviously, Yan did a fantastic job in it and then did like a terrible job for the last <laughs> half a second of the fight uh, and left the division in a place where I suppose it, there's probably going to be a rematch. and We know where it's going to go at this stage. But looking through the division, there's a there's a I think. You spoke about one division earlier, talking about a little bit of a disconnect, and there's a lot of guys like, say, like a Frank Edgar, a Josie Aldo, and Eddie Wine, and a Dominic Cruz, even like a TJ Dillashaw coming back. A lot of older guys who've been around for a long time, and in kind of the middle, maybe tier guys like a, the Brian Kellers and the Tomas Almeidas who've been around for a while as well. There's a lot of younger guys coming up, even like Lewis Smolka, uh, or sorry, Sean O'Malley fighting Lewis Smolka. He's obviously a, a guy everyone talks about, but like looking through the division even you know if you look at say like someone like an Eamon Zahabi who's 2-2 two and two, and I think he's a better fighter than a 2-2 two and two, or right. uh, you know a Jack Shore who's 3-0 in that division or a Kyler Phillips there's a lot of very very good fighters all the way down through that division and I think at any stage like someone could break out and have a good like two or three fight run and just kind of eat up to even someone like a Tony Gravely who had a great performance yep. in his last fight out I, I, it's just one of those divisions if you look at the like it, I think it's probably the division it'd be harder to tell the rankings without looking at them you know because it's hard to know who's there at what time but uh it's a, it's a, it's just really a smashing division, and sometimes because there are so many good fighters, I think it gets a little bit disjointed, and it it takes a little bit of of movement, say, to get a Jose Aldo out of the rankings by getting a lot of people right. in, you know, and to kind of move past that. But what what are your thoughts on the the one three five division? I mean, I absolutely love it. I I would be one of those people advocating for it being the best division in the UFC right now, just because all the things you just said, we have all the elements. Again, we have a great crop of young fighters that are starting to work their way up. We have those veteran stalwarts that are kind of lingering around and hanging around and, and being in that mix that, you know, I, I, Jose Aldo being number five, according to the UFC rankings as right now, and let's make sure everybody remembers that rankings are subjective and weird. And these are done poorly and, and all of those things, but he's still there. And Frankie Edgar is still there. And even a guy like Marlon Marais, who fought for the title not that long ago, mm -hmm. but has now had some, some lesser results. I want to see those guys against some of these younger guys, yeah. against these guys that are behind them in the rankings to get that fresh blood in. And if, if the younger guys or the newer guys can't beat them, then great, hold on to your position. But then I just, as you said, you look at the crop coming up and you mentioned Jack Shore, who I think the world of and think he has the potential to be a contender, if not a potential champion down the road. Mm -hmm. You look at a guy like Adrian Yanez, who has looked terrific in his two fights um, and, and quickly built a little bit of buzz and a little bit of momentum within the like MMA Twitter community that's really advocating and pushing and looking forward to his fight with Randy Costa. You look at even an older guy like Hani Barcelos, who yeah. can't break through because he just can't get that matchup and it doesn't feel like he's getting the opportunity and the recognition he maybe deserves, but he's on a great run and, and he has opportunity. And so to me, the, 
the potential for this division, even though things at the absolute apex top are a little slowed down right now, and we're kind of in a waiting period for Aljo to get back and and he and Petr Jan to run it back. It's it's just so intriguing. Every time there's a fight in this division, I get that little tingle of like, all right, how does this yeah. how does this shake out the rest of the way through, and where does this move somebody because. Like I said, off the top, those are the things that I'm looking for is, is not even just what does it do now, but some of these, these other matchups is where is this put this guy in a couple of years and, and what is this going to tell me? And is it going to be one of those fights we look back on and go, oh, that guy beat, beat that person. Then it's like Rob Font fighting this weekend against Cody, Cody Garbrandt. You look back a couple of years and he's got a, a very clean unanimous decision win over Sergio Pettis. That is aged exceptionally well. Doing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like it's it's. I think one three five and one five five are the only kind of two divisions where you can go on a seven fight run uh, <laughs> of winning and people don't even know your name. Like, right, it's, it's one of those divisions, and it, it can happen another bit. And I think in featherweight as well, it, it happens there at the odd time. Like uh, someone like an Arnold Allen who's had a great yes. run, and people don't maybe even acknowledge that much. But I think the thing about featherweight is. This division seems to never go anywhere, you know. And people uh, for uh, for a long time, they I think they kind of blamed Conor McGregor because he had the title and he was holding up. But then Conor McGregor left, and he knew Jose Aldo for ages, and now it just seems like mm. it's Max Holloway rematches for like the last seven years. It's it's, it's yeah. a weird one, and it's such a good division. I I a few years ago was one of the people saying it was the best division, but then you know you've you've just had like Magomed Sharapov and uh, and Rodriguez having cancelled fights for the last fifteen years, like. Non-stop. It's just it. It feels like this division just never goes anywhere. It's like in pause, and it, like it's one of those divisions, right? If you had the top fifteen and you had six fights and you had twelve of those people in the top fifteen fighting each other, this right. over the next year could be like it could be exceptional. This is the sort of division you need to do a tournament in to get it moving, you know. But uh, it's it's such high quality, but it's a bit frustrating, isn't it? That's such a dirty word in the UFC yeah. that, that you're not allowed to utter it. <laughs> Part of the reason you and I, I think, have always gotten along <laughs> in our interactions is that we often see things quite the same way. And and what you said about this division, just kind of never going anywhere and feeling like, okay, this is its moment. Yeah. When Connor cleared out, it felt like this is its moment. And here we are. And it's, it's always, as you said, kind of two or three people at the very top in a little triangle, in a little I beat you, you beat me, then we see what happens, and it never gets going. The Yair Rodriguez thing is one of the most frustrating, disappointing, what could have been moments, um, and that even ties back to the to the too much too soon that we talked about yeah, earlier Edgar, that we yeah. don't want to see because he got thrown in there with Frankie Edgar and it just wasn't time, and, and there are levels to this. I appreciate that we got that wonderful quote from Frankie. Mm-hmm. But man, if oh, I just from your from your lips to to Mick Maynard and Sean Shelby's ears, match these these sixteen people, champion and and top fifteen, just pair them off and let's get a play down, let's get let's get a tournament going and just get some movement because the opportunities and and the options and possibilities. I mean, Edson Barbosa looking phenomenal last weekend looking like a guy that can still be a contender even though he's 35 and a lot of people thought oh this is the trademark move down a division to try to kickstart things i spoke to him on tuesday as as many other people in the industry did 
and he's as you know excited as he's been in in a number of years and admitted to me his last couple of fights at lightweight he just you know i'm fighting because i i need to go out and fight it's what i do it's how i earn my living but i wasn't particularly excited and, and pumped up about it and this is a new challenge to me and and i'm reinvigorated you mentioned arnold allen absolutely a guy that needs more opportunities more shots more recognition all of those things follow Arnie on Twitter. He will give you, he will rate your yeah. meal deal. I saw somebody <laughs> send him one this morning asking for a rating and, and his response was priceless. Uh, great kid. Great fighter. I think great he's the most, talent coming up. I think he's the most underrated fighter in the UFC, to be honest. I yeah, really do. I, he's so I would agree. Good. He's there's been, it's, and it's one of those things where he's been around for a while, so you remember his name, but you forget how young he is. Yeah, and how good he is. And, and there's there's that one-year gap between all of his fights, it seems, for the last four years. And so just when he gets back into your memory, three or four or five fights happen in the division, and he gets shuffled back in line a little bit. And, I mean, that was the fight to me. The fight with Sadiq Youssef was, was a perfect example of that because mm-hmm. so many people were rightfully excited about Sadiq who has looked very good that it kind of overshadowed, oh, by the way, Arnie's terrific. And so for him to go out and and have that performance and get that victory, I thought was really great. But yeah, this division, there's so much potential and so many opportunities and options that let's just get it going and let's let's see some of these these possibilities instead of people not necessarily sitting on rankings because I don't even think it's that, right? Yair's... Got some different suspensions and Calvin Cater's rightfully taken some time off after the way his year started and in pop up. But man, I just, I'm, I'm with you. I want to see it turning out fights the way it, it could have been a couple of years ago when we were both leading the charge for mm-hmm. this is the best division in the UFC. Yeah, I remember a couple of years ago, I said, um, Mirsad Bektic and yes. would be a champion and then i yes. th- i think i said i think i might have said Megamed sharp I, th- I probably did and i'm gonna do that again with two different i was wrong on both of them and i might be right yeah you never know i think uh mavsar ivalev uh, i can't say his fucking name but he's he is brilliant and yes. jiggy chikadze the two of them i would be very surprised if one of them wasn't a champion in the ufc here in the next three or four years i think that their talent is just you watch them and it's they're striking, they're kicking, they're everything they do is too clean. And I'm like, they can't like something can happen. There's a very good division, they could meet someone very good, but I feel like the two of them, one one is ranked Chikadze is ranked ten and Ivalev is ranked fourteen. And I feel like there's guys above like a Josh Emmett or a Danny Ige or a Calvin yeah. Kate or even Chan Sung Jung and like bide your time guys because that's not gonna last very long with the two of them coming along. And even a guy like Bryce Mitchell as well who's a tough man to fight like just right impossible there's so many good guys coming there and it seems to always be the case but hopefully those guys can break through uh in the in the next while and we see uh we see a, a big one coming out of it um i suppose we, we can move on to, to lightweight here lightweight is usually a division i keep for the end of this podcast because it's usually <laughs> like what's Habib gonna do can connor win his next fight you know where where's what's gonna it feels like there is more uh since in this lightweight division than there has been in a long time. Oliveira is the champion, Poirier is fighting McGregor, and he'll fight the winner. It's it, like, it's weird. It's it, it's an odd time, I suppose, <laughs> to have it. I suppose making out that the rest of the division is the is the thing to do here, but first of all, at the top of the division, we'll talk about the maybe the up-and-coming guys in a second. Is this the way do you think it's going to go? I know the UFC in the last while, when we get to John Jones and stuff in a minute, they haven't been making the big fights and the fights <laughs> we take, think might make the sense, but do you think it will, especially, like if Paria wins, I think it's simple enough to do it, but if McGregor wins and beats Paria, 
is this the way they go as well? I think so, because I don't think you can move past a, a Conor McGregor championship fight. Um, I mean, there's always options, right? Like who knows, who knows what Conor McGregor is going to say he wants to do next. But I would think we saw the tweet after Charles won. Everybody said, congratulations. Conor said, congratulations on being the 11th champ. I wonder who the 12th is going to be, uh, setting up his, his hoped run for the title. Um, I think, (laughs) I mean, that has to be the fight. Um, whether we get one. Before that, whether Justin Gaethje gets in there before that, depending on kind of the timeline of things with Dustin and Connor and how everybody comes away from that fight in terms of health and and all of that stuff, that will be determined. But yeah, to me, the, the winner of that has to be next in line because we've spent the last couple of months talking about, well, Charles Oliveira or Michael Chandler aren't necessarily the number one fighter in the division which I don't know that you could say with as much confidence after seeing mm-hmm. how that fight played out. Yeah. And, and that that's part of what makes it really interesting. But I do think that as the two kind of biggest, most established names in the division with all the attention that will be on that fight this summer, the winner of that should get the next shot. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like, you know, you mentioned Gaethje there. I would like to see Gaethje matched up with someone like, I, I mean, I did, uh, so the, would I. I did the Q&A uh, on Tuesday here. And I think I made about six different matchups for like, different <laughs> guy and like, I don't know what I want, but I just want like Benil Darius versus Gaethje or something like that. Or, you know, Chandler versus Ferguson. I don't know what they're going to do with Ferguson, but get like, get these guys matched up and let's get them fighting again. Because I think they kind of have been over the last while and it's been great. You know, with Habib, he didn't fight that often. You know, people are giving me stick because I said he only fought once a year. But, like, there was a period where he was barely fighting once a year. And he came, you know, he fought a little bit more maybe once every seven to eight months there for a while again. But, you know, it feels like that division, you know, it just has a little bit of a new lease of life with Habib gone from it. And um, that's a lot to do with how good he was as well. I'm not bringing down yes. Habib or anything. But, uh, yeah, it's interesting to see where it goes. But, like, this uh, division as well. I saw this morning... It's actually not on Bloody Elbow yet here, but Marco Madsen is fighting uh, Clay Guida, and I think that's a very interesting fight. Just looking at some of the, the contenders coming up, because Marco Madsen, to me, is this high-level wrestler and a very, very good fighter. He's 2-0 in the UFC, and even other guys, you know, if, if you go through it, like you mentioned Mason Jones there, he's on one, so is Joy Herbert. He's another guy I'd definitely point out who's a really good fighter, and he happened to get a, some of that tough UFC matchmaking right. uh, as well, and Rafael Fizaev is there, uh, Grant Dawson now 5-0 in the UFC, See, he had a great kind of, uh, if I'm not mistaken, a come from behind uh, performance in his last one. Gregor Gillespie yes. now seven and one, a great win at the weekend. Makachev, I suppose, is the one everyone's kind of talking about at the moment. Who's going to be that next guy coming through? And he's in the the middle of the rankings now at the moment as well. So there are some fantastic people coming through. Is there anyone you pick out, kind of maybe just ranked or coming towards the the rankings that you would say is a, is a future contender or champion? I mean the the just ranked guy or the the ranked the two ranked guys for me that that are absolutely the can't wait to see what's next are are Makashev and, and Gregor Gillespie obviously um, both had tremendous performances this year and and feel like the two athletes that are that are the closest to being contenders that need to get in there with one of these guys ranked above them one of these guys in the top ten that that a win over them becomes the launch pad. I know Makashev is matched up with Tiago Moises. Mm-hmm. I think it's a much better fight than, than most people do. I really yeah. think 
Tiago Moises is a really great fighter as well. It might, it's, it's not the high profile matchup that sort of everybody wants from a at this point, but you know, if nobody wants to fight him and the man wants to stay active and, and keep fighting, then so be it. But this division is just, I mean, it's overflowing with talent, right? Like Matthias Gamrot is super interesting to me after a great run in, in KSW. Armin Sarukian was out on, on Twitter yesterday or the day before saying like, I will just give me a name. I don't care who it is. I want to fight. I'm tired of sitting on the sidelines. I love that kind of approach. And, and his only loss is, is Makashev. Um, Hafiel Fazeev, Grant Dawson, as you mentioned, like it's just a division. And then there's all the guys that came off of the contender series in the last couple of years that are interesting, like Jordan Levitt, who had a slam knockout in his, in his debut or Eros Medic, who had a great performance in his debut. Like, and I mean, we can't forget Patty the Batty, right? Like what's, yeah. what's he going to do when he gets in here? What division is he going to get an opportunity well, and, and where is he going to be? But mm-hmm. there's just so much going on. I really do hope. And, and as you said, it felt, and I agree with you again, it felt a little stale for a period or slowed down just because we we never knew what was going to happen. There were matchups that we we desperately wanted that we never got. And things kind of stalled out at, at different points because of different champions and, and things happening. Mm-hmm. We have the opportunity now. Let's get them moving. Let's get these people matched up. Let's figure some of this stuff out. And, and I think we're on the way to that with... Mm-hmm. The championship fight we had in the the co-main event last week, Connor and Dustin ready to go, and and some of these other opportunities. I just hope it keeps going, and and we get lightweight back to the super exciting something always happening division that it was, where we get the new the new blood every couple of you know every year we get one new contender that's yeah. that's in that championship mix because the potential's there to have that. 100% yeah and Habib will be back too as well so I'm looking forward to that to see that whenever <laughs> whenever it happens um, let's move on to welterweight and welterweight to me is like the I'm not mad I'm just disappointed division uh, yes it's like uh, everyone knows uh, everyone knows I'm a big Wonderboy fan and how many times can they pass him by for a title shot like there was talks oh. of Michael Chiesa getting a title shot against Cameron Usman and I right. respect the Chiesa he's done a great job but come on like Wonderboy he's fighting he's fighting Gilbert Burns coming up and even if they if he beats him, they're talking about giving Colby Covington the fight. Who beat the who, he beat like the ghost of Tyron Woodley in his last fight, didn't he? It's like right. I don't know. At this division, I just I really don't understand it. When you're Usman and you fought Masvidal in a hugely overmatched fight that you just wanted basically because you get more money, I think. It's not that you have a responsibility because you look your responsibility is go out and make as much money of you as you as you want uh, and as you can. But I feel like. You, you after that, you need to take the the next fight, the biggest fight, the best fight. And look, Kobe Covington, maybe he is that, and you could argue that absolutely. But I don't think he's really put himself in that position totally after losing the first fight. Now it's a lo- it's a great fight. I I would love to see it, but I'd also love to see the Wonderboy fight, and I'd love to see a yes. bit a bit of new blood coming in there. And it's funny, Wonderboy is like you know getting on in years, and he's fought a few <laughs> times for the title. But it feels like it's been this division has been moved around so much in the years from when you know he fought Woodley that it's ready and it's time 
Freeman. He's ranked number four at the moment. Okay, Leon Edwards is there or thereabouts as well. Um, but the, the two guys above the two of them have both fought Usman and lost to him already. So, look, I'm a Wonderboy stand here. I don't try to... The, the, <laughs> I, I, I don't fan out as much of Wonderboy as I used to, but I feel like... Am I, am I right? Am I wrong? Am I, am I too much of a Wonderboy fan here? Or is it? should someone else be in there before him? A bit of new blood, he says, advocating for the 38-year-old who is... <laughs> He's a boy. He's got, still a boy. <laughs> who, who has got 15 fights in the UFC, including two championship opportunities. The ironic thing, I mean, the thing is, you're 100% right, though. This yeah. division is so different than when he fought for the title. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I understand that he, you know, oh one and one against Tyron Woodley. And there was the Anthony Pettis knockout a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. I always thought the the scoring of the Darren Till fight was a little janky. I think people forget or just kind of shuffle past that he beat Masvidal rather handily, that he beat yeah. Vicente Luque rather handily, that he beat Jeff Neal rather handily. Like Wonderboy is that guy right now that is kind of just unfortunately stuck as the like, Let's just have Steven fight all of these different people. And yeah. if we get down to nothing else, then sure. Yeah. Because he's a nightmare matchup, right? And it, it doesn't necessarily make for the exciting fight that you want as the championship headliner of a pay-per-view. But I mean, at a certain point, you have to like exactly what you said about Michael Chiesa is spot on perfect. No disrespect to Michael Chiesa, who has looked terrific at this division and has done everything that he needs to do to go out and put himself in the top 10 and kind of on the fringes of contention. But he hasn't beaten a Stephen Thompson or a Gilbert Burns or a Colby Covington. And if we're going to just leapfrog those guys to give whoever in order for, and look, I 100% love Kamaru Usman wanting to stay active. I said it going into the Masvidal fight. I said it when they said, let's do Colby Covington next. And, and like, if he wants to fight every three months, I'm in. Give him fresh meat and I will watch these fights. But at some point, you have to give Stephen Thompson one of those opportunities. Mm-hmm. And if he gets through Gilbert Burns, who looked terrific last year, who put Usman in jeopardy early in that fight, absolutely, then you have to give him the opportunity. You have to, especially with Colby just hanging out on the sidelines, making bad promotional videos, mm-hmm. being Colby Covington still and not fighting because as you said, the ghost of Tyron Woodley isn't, isn't the fight that gets you the championship opportunity anymore. Mm-hmm. It re- yeah, it really is. And I think, I think it's very, very interesting to see what they actually do because I feel like we will be disappointed again, but however we'll see. I, I suppose looking through that division, I, I'm looking through the list here and two people really stick out to me as kind of and both of them are ranked but both of them I would still suggest are up and comers uh, Hamzat Shemaev and Sean Brady those are the two guys that really stick out to me that are going to be trouble for a lot of people and when I look at Usman I think Usman look I, I'm as big a Wonderboy fan as anyone but I think Usman beats him I think he beats Colby again I think he beats Dean Edwards I think he beats all the guys there in towards the top of that division but these are the guys coming, and Brady, I think, is a very good style for Usman. And I think Shemaev as well, with the, the, the power he has in his hands and the wrestling he has, he's a good style for anyone on, on planet Earth. Those, to me, are the two guys. Is there anyone else? And what, what do you think of those two guys and their prospects coming forward? I'm, again, in, in lockstep with you on those two guys. I mean, I've been, not that I've been a, a Shemaev detractor. I just want to see it. 
right? Like I, I just want to see the opportunities. It, it made no sense to me how crazy people went when he ran through John Phillips. God bless John Phillips as a personality, as a guy that had some success in cage warriors. He didn't have any success in the UFC and, and for it to be such a big deal that Hamza Chimaev destroyed John Phillips made no sense to me. Um, I just want to see it. I want to see the matchup. I loved the, I didn't like that. He was, I didn't like that. He was the guy that Leon Edwards was going to have to fight. I love the idea of Neil Magny. I like Neil Magny coming out and saying, if you want to do it, let's go. That's who Neil Magny is. That's what Neil Magny is in this division. So I'm on board. And if he gets through Neil Magny as easily as he's gotten through everybody else, then I will 100% buy a front row ticket on the, on the bandwagon Mm -hmm. and support that. Sean Brady has problems, man. <laughs> Sean Brady has problems. You watch that Jake Matthews fight. Oh, I think a lot of people changed, didn't it? I, I was one of those people. I, I think. Yeah. I, I think a lot of people don't understand how good Jake Matthews is, mm-hmm. for that matter, and how big and physical he is, and how talented he is on the ground. And Sean Brady just stormed through him. I Brady was sort of in that Chimaev space for me as well initially because the first couple fights were good but not great, and it mm-hmm. it felt like okay he. You know, I, I love the guys that come from the East Coast regional circuit. I think it is super tough. They match everybody up hard. Um, and to come through there undefeated is really impressive. But he he looked good, but not great in the first couple of fights. Then he goes out and, and tools up Christian Aguilera. Then he goes out and, and does what he did against Jake Matthews. And I'm I'm in, man. That's a, that's a dude that is going to be problems to use. Kamaru Usman's mm-hmm. line. <laughs> Those two gentlemen that you mentioned absolutely are problems going forward. And and probably within the next 18 to 24 months, Max. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Like the Brady as well, the, the fights you spoke about there, that's good matchmaking. I think that's what yes. we kind of want to see, moving guys forward like that. And it's very interesting. We have a guy named Ian Gary coming through over here. And yes. he, you know, he fought a guy who who went three rounds with Jake Matthews. And it kind of, it gives you a little bit of the, the butterflies in the stomach. said, ooh, well, if he can knock him out yeah. in a round, I think it was. Uh, what uh, what's he going to look like? But you know, it's it's very interesting this welterweight division, and uh, I think you know I have to give mention to Bilal Muhammad as well. You know, outside and inside of the cage, he's always value for money, and uh, Li Zhang Niang as well, and Damian Maya still hanging around there. But yeah, look, Shemaya versus uh, Neil Magny. I think it's I think it's a fight. Not not many uh, you know people don't agree on many things in MMA, but I feel like everyone would like to see that <laughs> fight because it's just it's just that test, isn't it? You know, I think like some people didn't want to Leon Edwards fight because it's a little bit too much of a jump in rankings or whatever but I think the the Magni fight just makes so much sense and I, I really hope that happens but uh, sure we, we'll see what happens in the next one and hopefully <laughs> hopefully Shemaev has recovered from COVID as well because you know it feels like it was getting, getting a little bit rushed there at the end and you know with mm-hmm. uh, all the all the background political stuff that's going on it, as well it's, it felt kind of hurried and it's like yeah. let's just let's make sure if this guy is as good as we all want him to be and has the potential that we all want for him. Let's, we can take the precautions. We can take a little bit of time. The sport is still going to be here. The UFC is still going to be here. The interest will still be there. So let him, let him get there. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. Let's do it. Um, this podcast has gone like half an hour longer than I expected. Again, but we've only a couple of divisions left. Let's let's run through up here. The the middleweight division. The worst division in the UFC. I hate it so much. It's rubbish. It's like I, I, Adesanya is a brilliant fighter. Robert Whitaker is a brilliant fighter, and then like you know we have everyone. We have everyone else in this division. Um, 
like I, I as a person I really dislike <laughs> Marvin Vittori I think he's a good fighter <laughs> but I think he has no chance against Adesanya again like is there anything can you give us any bit of hope in this division for something good coming out of it because I just don't see like Shabazian was on those guys coming through like oh he could be great and then he was kind of you know we know what happened there is there anything else is there anyone in this division I need a bit of hope I need a bit of positivity here all right, I'm I'm gonna be a bit of hope because I think Sean Strickland is is okay. a very interesting figure in this division. Um, he's looked very good since coming back. He's got three wins in you know a handful of months. He did back to back against Jack Marshman and, and Brandon Allen, who is a, a very good fighter. Got the victory over Chris Jocko last time out. Um, undefeated in the division, I think people kind of forget about that. He started his career at middleweight, got his first two UFC wins at middleweight over tough alums, Bubba McDaniel and, and Luke Barnett mm-hmm. before going down to welterweight. He kind of fits that, that Marvin Vittori thing of like good fighter, kind of annoying person. Mm. Um, <laughs> but, but, but I mean, talent wise, you, you look at the skill set and you look at the fundamentals and, and he's a guy that's at least interesting to me. Um, and will continue to make that push and, and kind of be, somebody hopefully potentially that that goes forward but this division really does and and again i laugh because you you nail it it's the division that just breaks my heart all the time because every person i want to get behind and every person that i think could have potential and be somebody that i want to see down the road they lose Mm -hmm. kyle Dawkins lost phil haas hasn't lost but didn't look great against nasardina mavev um, he's somebody that maybe, but again, lost to Phil Haas. Couldn't, couldn't get Phil Haas out of there when Phil Haas looked like he was trying to, to get out of there. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw with Joaquin Buckley coming into this year, goes out and gets a loss right away and, and Kevin Holland. And so, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of riding a, it's kind of like the Henry Cejudo thing. I don't necessarily want to be riding with Sean Strickland, but he's, he kind of feels like the hope in this division. I do think Uriah Hall yeah, I like Uriah is, Hall, yeah. is the potential to be that next been around for a long time and suddenly strings a bunch of wins together and gets into position to, to challenge for the title. I know he very much is laser focused on meeting Izzy in the cage at some point. Um, it's going to be tough. I mean, that, that fight with, with Chris Weidman is, is just such a buzz kill and a, yeah. and a momentum killer. Mm-hmm. He is matched up with Sean Strickland apparently for, Ooh, that's interesting. for, for later this August. So that'll be interesting. I think the winner makes a good case for, for getting in that top five mix, but otherwise it's, yeah, it's, it really kind of is just the, like, Izzy's tremendous. Robert Whitaker's tremendous. Then there's a drop off. Mm-hmm. And I'm not really sure. <laughs> yeah, I give one bit of hope. Um, uh, Natalia Frederick, the Cage Warriors middleweight champion. This guy, this guy is a next level athlete, a monster of a fighter. If he comes into the UFC, I think he will cause problems and immediately cause problems to a lot of people in that division. So he's one name I would look out for, and I think he's a fight here coming up at the trilogy. So he, I would expect him to be in the UFC towards the end of the year. So he might be one to look at. The lightweight heavyweight division. Then we have a thing here in Ireland, right, where our lads playing GA come out with their knees strapped up and they're you know they look like they can barely walk and they're like 48 years of age and then 
they're still like they, they played like Harlan for Limerick fucking 20 years ago and they're, <laughs> they're still the best you know and even the, even with all their issues I feel like Light Heavyweight is a little bit like this you know you have Glover Teixeira you have Jan Blachowicz and like they, these like these two lads they don't look like they're the best fighters in the world but by god they're brilliant and I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing this and we have like there's actually some good contenders at Light Heavyweight in the moment in kind of the absence of John Jones I suppose with you know Rakic coming up and Prohachka looking fantastic recently but the old lads are kind of running this division at the moment I'm looking forward to that title fight and I might be the biggest seller in the world but are you looking forward to, to it uh, going ahead anyway as an old lad myself I am I am always <laughs> looking forward to these gentlemen getting in there I joke all the time that the Glover Teixeira is a year younger to me I think mm-hmm. today like I think he's 366 days younger than me I'll take it. Uh, <laughs> and so if he can continue to have this kind of success at this level it means there's hope for me in in, in our industry and in whatever pursuits i have um but i do like that there are as you said some some younger fighters and some some fresh blood coming up obviously yuri prohashka has that ridiculous knockout I know that Alexander Rakic's last couple fights haven't been electric but i think he is a special talent um I like seeing Anthony Smith get back in in the win column and get moving again because I think he's a really interesting guy to have in the middle of that division. Magomed Ankalaev, the win over Nikita Krylov, wasn't flashy, but but he's dangerous. And I think Ryan Spann is is another guy that fits there. And and I mean Jimmy Crute's still twenty five. Like mm. there's there's some really interesting potential. And it's so weird to me that we're looking at it this way less than a year after John Jones vacates when we were all like, Oh, this division, Mm -hmm. because it felt for so long, like John was just so far above. He was in that space of Valentina Shevchenko and and Amanda Nunes are occupying where they're just so far above everybody else that now it feels fresh and it, it feels really interesting and, and good to see. So it's, it's nice to get it moving, but I also do love that, that the old heads are, are standing at the top and, and waiting to fight each other because I, I just picture, I mean, we saw the, the picture. I don't know if it, it crossed your timeline, mm-hmm. but it definitely hit mine of, of Glover hitting the bag in a pair of Crocs. And it just <laughs> yeah, feels so, that, yeah. <laughs> like it just feels so perfect, right? 41 year old that just wants some, some comfort and support and doesn't want to be barefoot for this round. Mm, <laughs> and, I love it. Man. And is rocking the sports. And somebody said they weren't <laughs> even in, they weren't even in sport formation where you have, the little thing along the back oh yeah keeping you from slipping out so just perfect love it you have to love it uh oh jamal hill is the one guy i need to mention there yes. two or five as well he's going to be a champion and i think it's a matter of time this guy is he's next level i think he's the next john jones in that division that's my bold prediction here for uh for them going forward i think he's really good what about john jones as we move to heavyweight what would your call be for where will john jones next fight be that's the toughest question I've ever asked at the moment. But. It really is because I because nothing makes sense no. other than Francis and Ghana. Yeah. And and with Dana coming out and saying Derek Lewis is next and then Stipe is next after that, I mean it just it just doesn't make it it was never gonna make sense when you said, Well, do you give John Jones a tested heavyweight? No, he gets the John Jones pass. He gets the the most talented fighter I've ever seen in my life pass to go straight to a championship fight. And if it's not going to be that, then, then I just don't know. And, and I appreciate John's willingness to, to sit out and 
as much as I find there to be great irony in his after a decade straight of, of catching victories, a little time off would be great as if he forgets that there were yeah. periods of time off for <laughs> two years there on Sunday for ball. various reasons. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> the cognitive dissonance of some of these people at times is is just wonderful but Amazing. it's it's francis and ganu are bust and i hope they figure it out i've said this from the minute francis and ganu won the title and dana went to the press conference and said straight face that Derek lewis is the yeah. fight to make that i hope they figure it out oh, i don't God. care if it's next i don't care if i have to wait two years for it i need to see that fight Mm -hmm. everybody wants like you don't get consensus unanimous agreement in this sport about anything Mm -hmm. and you have it about this fight so it needs to be francis and ganu and if it's anyone else i just it doesn't make sense i 100 percent agree the the (laughs) issue as well is uh, okay if we forget for a second and i think everyone has Derek Lewis versus Francis Ngannou won. We just put that to our minds. Derek Lewis versus Francis Ngannou is going to be a brilliant fight, I think, the next time. Yes. I do not. And it's kind of, if they make that fight next, no matter what happens, it's going to be a, a huge disappointment for everyone because that's not the fight <laughs> you want to see. Like, imagine if, like if Francis goes and beats John Jones. Didn't we see that fight again? It's like, okay, Francis just beat John Jones. He's the biggest star in the sport. And now he's fighting Derek Lewis. You know, this dangerous guy who beat him already. Let's not forget. Well, let's kind of forget, but not forget. Yeah. And, and you know, it's a fun fight. And I think Francis would win it the next time. But I think it's a really fun fight. But it's... It, they're taking the fun out of the fun fight by placing that, it right in front of us now. <laughs> so it's, yeah, uh, and that, that's the thing that sucks, right? Yeah. Is that the first version was terrible. Mm-hmm. We know why it was terrible. Both guys have, have talked about yeah. why it was terrible. Francis dealing with the, the aftershock, the PTSD of the Stipe fight. Derek Lewis hasn't had his surgery and he's walking around on a, on a bum knee and mm-hmm. that's given him a bad back. He's undefeated since getting the surgery and, and has looked better than ever. He's, you know, still crazy Derek and chasing down people that are, that are trying to break into his car (laughs) and things. And, And you're right. It would be an absolutely phenomenal fight, but we're so excited about the opportunity to see Francis and John Jones, that it just feels you can put together the greatest promotional trailer that the UFC has ever done. Nail the poster, the whole nine yards, all the stuff that we get excited about that gets us excited and it'll it's an a plus fight that will still feel like a b minus mm-hmm. that's exactly <laughs> and that's it. unfair to both guys yeah, it really is um there's there's one question i want to actually end this on and it's, it's probably not the way to end it but i want to ask you about chris Dawkins. I, I think like we're obviously an irish podcast here and in the middle of europe so we we know look we know about cyril Gagne, we know about uh tom aspinall you know we, we can leave that we spoke about that before I want to get your thoughts on on uh, on Dawkins. I I I find it hard to get like not not excited about him, but like, uh, is this guy going to be an ex star heavyweight? Is he going mm. to be like a, a championship or a contender level fighter? What What do you think? I have no real read, and I know that's not the answer you're looking Shit, for. There's two of us. It, does, <laughs> it doesn't make for very good podcast content. Um, and and the irony being that I. I thought the world and still think very highly of his younger brother, Kyle, Mm -hmm. who's coming off a loss. It's he, Chris is in that position for me where I need to see him against one of these 
guys that are ahead of him that are established. So I don't, I don't need Augusto Sakai, who I know has a fight coming up. I don't need Walt Harris or Shamil Abdurakimov. I need Jarzinho. I need Volkov. I need Curtis Blades. Somebody like that that I can get a a real measure of because all due respect to Alexei Olenek, he's forty three years old and he moves like he's sixty seven. He moves like those <laughs> those he moves like those hurlers you're talking about that are all taped up and and struggle around. And so it's it's a great win and he's got three you know you can't diminish three straight first round finishes in the UFC, but I need to see it against somebody else. And if he goes out and has one of those performances against somebody a little higher up, then you get a better read of it. And, and look, it's unfair that part of the reason I'm sure you and I are both doubtful is, is because he looks like exactly who he is Mm -hmm. a 31 year old Philly cop. That's just tough as shit, (laughs) but Uh, he would have been a massive star 20 years ago in the UFC. (laughs) Right. Like, but if you look like Tom Aspinall, who, who, walks into the cage and you go, that's a heavyweight champion, which is what we did with Francis, right? Yeah. That's what a heavyweight, that's what the most terrifying man on the planet looks like. He doesn't look like Chris Dawkins. There's a little bit of, you know, this is probably not quite Homer Simpson, but there's a little bit of the Homer Simpson to him where Homer takes all the shots and then hits the one the way that Mike Russo, another major American metropolitan city police officer from Chicago (laughs) looked like back in the day where you went, that guy's a top 10 fighter. Yeah, he is. But I, I, can he be a top five fighter? I don't know until I see him fight one of these top five fighters and, and do what he's done to the three guys thus far. And it's unfair because right now I would project Tom Aspinall Mm -hmm. to be a top five fighter because he looks the part. Yeah, it, it's interesting though, heavyweight, because if you look at, say, like arguably the two greatest of all time, uh, Fedor and, and Stipe, neither <laughs> right. of them exactly look like, you know, uh, <laughs> yep. the, 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 oh, the, the best looking guy in the world. So it doesn't necessarily have to be. So it's interesting. Like, that's a, I, I think that's a fun thing about doing, doing this sort of show as well. We can see, you know, like, maybe we'll watch his fights a little bit closely over the next year and see how it goes. But uh, yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's an interesting time for us, heavyweight division. I think as well, you know, you made the point there about him needing to get that name and that next fight to move up. I think Aspinall would probably be in that range as well. And Ganya probably yeah. was until a, a couple of fights ago. You know, when you cut over him, when you cut JDS, that, you know, and this is the state of the UFC as well, I suppose, that, you know, that I think that adjusts the state of your division and the state of the promotion as a whole, that you don't really know where a lot of these people are. And, you know, we started the podcast talking about Michelle Watterson being that, you know, that watermark, that level in the heavyweight yeah. division, I'm not sure if they have that as much anymore. And I suppose people will uh, will emerge as that. But you know, when you cut two guys like that, you know uh, that sort of win would be a great win for a you know yeah. a Ganya or a Dawkins or a, or an Aspinall or something like that. So it's uh, it's an interesting time in the in the UFC's heavyweight division. Um, yeah, the the Arlovsky fight was the one that that gave us the sort of idea that okay, this is this is what we know about Tom Aspinall. 100%. This is where he fits. And so, as you said, to to lose that, it it sort of moves up. Right now, it feels like it moves it up to being Jarzinho, which feels weird because a year ago he was the guy that maybe he's a contender. And so Mm. it'll it'll work itself out. Somebody will will come in to to fill that role or slide back a little bit to fill that role. But right now it's it's missing in the gap between those two two tiers of fighters in the division 
isn't there. Indeed. Nature is healing and it, and it shall, I suppose, over <laughs> next year. Uh, Spitzer, I really, really appreciate this. This was a lot of fun. I think this is the most fun one I've done yet and I'll definitely get you back on again. Uh, and I, I really appreciate it. Tell the people where they can find you. I know a lot of people love this podcast and they will want to see your work and, and follow you everywhere. So tell everyone where they can find you. The easiest place is on Twitter, at Spencer Kite, S-P-E-N-C-E-R-K-Y-T-E. Uh, I am shameless when it comes to promoting my material, usually twice a day with with everything that I put out so that the morning and the evening and the European crowd can get it. Mm-hmm. Um, I also write a newsletter, which will will show up in that timeline. But if you want to give it a subscription and a follow and free or free or paid, I appreciate either. It is spencerkite.substack.com. And uh, as I said, it will all come through the Twitter. So follow that if you haven't already. And uh, yeah, this has been absolutely amazing. I've I've looked forward to this day and and hope we can do it again soon. I only went forty five minutes off. <laughs> I got nothing. Hey, it's it's late for you, but now this is perfect time for me to go have a cup of coffee, make some breakfast. I like hang it. out with my dog before I get into doing some work. So sounds good. Works out for me. I hope I hope the rest of the day goes better than the, I, the start of the day did. I, I have to start lying to people about like how long this podcast takes. <laughs> like I actually do try to make it like thirty to forty five minutes, and then it just we're an hour and sixteen in now, and I'm like, oh Jesus. Anyway, right. I, that's- <laughs> I, I love when hosts come on and do the and like wrap it with the like, oh, I'm so sorry it went. I don't have any, like, this is what, if you and I weren't doing this right now, yeah. I would be talking to myself about this same stuff. And so anytime anyone, and I, I've said this to now said it to you, to various other people who have been kind enough to have me on their show. If you ever want to have a three hour podcast Let's do it. talking about this stuff, I mean, like, this is, my wife is tired of hearing this stuff. So to, to talk about it with somebody that understands and cares and is like-minded, as long as you want to go, you call, I will answer. Well, let's, do you know what we'll do? We'll, we'll paper this in for like six weeks time again and we'll do the exact same thing and we got to <laughs> it again. And I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I can't wait. Spitzer, thank Sounds you very good. much. Thank you to everybody for listening and we'll see you all next time.